get on the Welcome back to Podding Ain't Easy here on the Rogue Opinions Podcast and Feed. I am one of your hosts, Scott McLeod. After our little look back uh, at the first season, we're now here to talk about the most recent instalments from Invincible Season 2. The first four episodes, at least, we're going to have to wait until the new year to get uh, our conclusion to this season. Uh, Joining me, as always, is... Didn't think of one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I will think of something. I will get it. And joining me, as always, to talk about Invincible is the Alan the Alien to my Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I will just be too busy and you'll follow his misadventures. Is <laughs> Carl Pierce. Hello. Now, you see, if you were the original, you wouldn't have had that hesitation. Walk up, would, would you? So, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you're the clown. Ah, you know what's annoying about that, Carl? Is well, for one, you used the best analogy I could. You, we could in the last episode, and two, <laughs> you, you you making the clone analogy means I need to keep that fuck up in and can't edit it out. So thank you for that. <laughs> Hello, uh, Scott. How are you? For that great introduction, which you did a fuck up, honest everybody. <laughs> ah, screw it. It's been the end of a long day. As we were talking about beforehand, I'm trying to get all my Christmas shopping out of the way. It's a busy time. Leave me alone. You know, usually, <laughs> you, you can't. You know, sometimes you're the one who has the mental fumble. Sometimes I need to take over for for a change. Comes <laughs> to all of us. Oh, I'm the same on the football pod when they do that little what they call the pat tricks. I always forget to do one, so I'm there like, just don't come to me first. Don't come to me first. And they always come to me first. <laughs> It's because they're bastards. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know deep down I won't have one, that's why. So they like to they just like to fuck with me. <laughs> oh, like an elder abuse rampant here at Rogue Opinions, honestly. <laughs> at this festive time. So we had a little look back at Invisible Season 1 last week. You know, and everything going there. That came out in like 2021 and so after a long two years of waiting and only a couple of weeks for Kyle because he only finally watched season one. <laughs> wasn't even a couple, a couple of wasn't even a couple of weeks. I was I was able to move straight into season two. It's just now I'm waiting for the first time for the second part of season two. Ah, uh, you you kids today with your instant instant gratification, your bloody streaming services, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> it was a long way, and they have obviously confirmed there is a season three coming. So. After we get season two in January, we won't have to wait too long about it. But there's something else we're hoping not to wait too long for. Uh, after we got a little dose of something sim- a similar flavour with Gen V, as uh, The Boys season four, which is set to come out next year, and we we know that the events of Gen V will roll right into season four of The Boys with the incident on the campus, Billy showing up, and the end of uh, the wee post credit bit of. Uh, the Gen V finale, but girl, we got a teaser trailer for season four of the boys. You know, not much in the way that ways of story, but I think you know, I think we have a rough idea of where it's going. And more importantly, we get to see you know Jeffrey D. Morgan interacting with Billy Butcher. 
Yes, we do. He, he, he sort of takes the piss out of the the, the name, the boys, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Who came over there to you? And just, Billy just stares at him like, oh. Uh, I don't know who they're talking, who's talking to him, because we, we do see her briefly, but there's some email voice, I think, where it's revealed that uh, she's talking to a homelander and basically talking about, you know, figures and, you know, controlling people. And as it's showing, like, very much continuation of everyone being so divided after the last season, the people who follow homelander, people who believe Starlight and everything she came out with at the end of the last season. And also you got Victoria Newman on the on the campaign trail. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't give a, a whole lot away, really, does it? To be to be fair, it's not a huge amount to go on, but just enough to sort of whet your appetite and get you excited for for the new season. Yeah, the only thing when it comes to you know these teaser trailers, as they call them, you know, it's uh, not really. Much in the way the story, just I'll give you a brief one, like flash. Look at this bit. Look at this bit. Oh, what could this mean? Mm. But you know, when you get a longer trailer later on, they'll give you more plot. And like it just keeps saying twenty twenty four. We don't even know bloody when in twenty twenty four it's going to be. Yeah, it could be any bloody time, couldn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, but I'm definitely looking forward to. I mean, things are a bit up in the air in terms of what Marvel content we're going to get, other than you know Echo, which we get in January, and. Oh, that like the Harkness show, which I think there was a trailer for that. I didn't even bother watching it yet. Uh, the show's not even out yet. We didn't ask for it, and it's on its third. It's on its third title. Like it was originally Agatha House of Harkness, and then then it was Coven of Chaos, and then it was Agatha Darkhold Tales. Like fucking hell, this has had more bloody name changes than bloody gold dust. Dustin Rhodes has had bloody gimmicks or you know, something. <laughs> But the show's having an identity crisis and it's not even bloody aired yet. Yeah, it, it's, it does worry me, to be honest, that they can't seem to make their mind up on a title. It sort of tells me perhaps they can't really make their mind up on the tone of the show either. So uh, let's just hope it's not a complete shit show. Yeah, it's one of the projects where you keep hearing about it every so often and that's me even thinking, like, I don't even believe a project like this is going to even happen until I actually see proof of it. Like, mm. until I see a trailer or any footage of it, I'm not believing it's even happening. Because, again, it's one of the ones you didn't really ask for. We don't know why anybody Daredevil's coming out, because I think they've delayed it as they rework it. The yeah. Only main, the only main film coming out next year is Deadpool. Yeah, but all the strikes and rewrites and stuff has really put them behind schedule. So let's just hope Deadpool 3 is as good as the first two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. But they, every, if you believe what you see online, buddy, everybody and their mother, every person who's ever appeared in any sort of Fox to Pure property in the world is going to be in this film <laughs> in some sort of cameo role. There's also the videos basically talking about who's more like who's likely to show up and who isn't going to show up. But they just about half the original like X Men series cast, like you're from your James Marsdens to your Kelsey Grammers, fingers crossed, to your Patrick Stewart's all rumored to show up in this bloody film. Oh uh, yeah, um, and Electra, which all interests me because she was quite shite back in the day. So I'd be interested to see how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> Not even being a river like, yeah, she was shy back in the day. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't be against seeing the uh, 
some X spin in, and as you can clearly hear in the background, Dexter is clearly very excited about it. You know, loves a bit of loves a bit of the original X Men, so he does. <laughs> I can imagine he does. <laughs> uh, honestly, he was he wasn't he's not been feeling his best again. So, but he's back to fighting form. That's good to know. Bless him. <laughs> uh, speaking of dogs, there's a character called Dogpool who's appearing in this film. Yeah. Oh Christ! <laughs> so, like, at least you know the bloody tone of the film. There's talk. I don't know, some people say it's confirmed. Some people say it isn't confirmed. But bloody Mobius and TV are supposed to be in Deadpool three. But, so it's like what well, my basic point is: it's going to be an interesting year for superhero probably because you know, other than the boys and Deadpool, I think the main thing we can look forward to superhero media wise is more animation stuff because I think we've got we're getting more of a. What if in 2024 mm-hmm. and some of those other animated properties that we were promised a good year or so ago are finally, I think, going to come out? Like, I believe Marvel Zombies comes out later this year. I'm not sure when exactly, but they, that X Men 97 is coming out. I thought it was actually meant to be out already, but I'm sure the strikes have delayed that as well. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I wasn't too sure when that was due out, but. That could be uh, could be interesting. I can't say I'm too excited about the zombie thing, but. Um... Yeah, X-Men 97 certainly could be some nostalgic fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, God knows where it's coming out, so you've all got plenty of time to watch it, because I think it's all on Disney, plus all the original series. And I think, uh, I keep forgetting her name, so I don't want to say it in case I butchered it, but the actress that plays Kamala Khan in the Miss Marvel film said that she'll be voicing, reprising her role vocally as... A Miss Marvel in that show, and apparently she's uh, she's going to be a, a key part of that series. I mean, I don't think it's part of the same continuity as the main MCU, but it's nice to see her getting another, another focus on newer people and newer characters for these, you know, projects. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, still doing the character, even though the movie flopped. Yeah, I mean, I think due to the strike. They said that up until two weeks before the film came out, the actors weren't allowed to do press for it. Yeah, so well, that, that, that doesn't that help. help. Yeah, that doesn't help matters. To be fair to them, they, they weren't able to do any sort of press or promotion for anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it would be a guarantee success with that, but I think it would have done better than some of the other films that have had some really disappointing results. I mean, actors, I'm pretty sure, like films like Eternals and they. Like, um, and Quantumania, they did plenty of press for that, but the films weren't really successful from a financial point of view. But I think it could have done better than those films had they had some had a chance. But I think there were certain, I don't want to get into this discussion, but I think there were certain group of, groups of people out there who probably weren't going to have nice things to say about the Marvels, whether, even if it was one of the best films of the year. Probably not. No, you know, you, you, you get your sexists like Nathan who, who <laughs> won't watch it. <laughs> oh, Nathan isn't a sexist, but it's just a joke. Yes. For legal reasons, we can't. Uh, for legal reasons, we can't uh, say whether or not he is a sexist. Yeah. We can't. Um, but, I mean, Liam definitely is, but Nathan. Oh, yeah. Horrendous. <laughs> that man's hard drive is the stuff nightmares are made of. <laughs> Absolutely un- unbelievable. But Those poor raccoons. Oh, we're going to be an endangered species any day now. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> <laughs>
so I, I'm looking forward to actually watching it when it eventually comes on on Disney Plus. I didn't get a chance to actually see it when it was out. I didn't wasn't through choice. I didn't see. I just had too much on, and you know, I didn't feel much like an event to go see a film like that. Like yeah. you know, Marvel films of the past. I yeah, I'll probably your... give it. I'll probably give it a whirl, and when it's out on Disney Plus for free, it can't. You know, it can't be that horrendously bad. But uh, we'll see. I can translate for at least what Decker was saying is support your local cinemas and go. Don't wait for films to go on streaming services. Mm. Yes, yes, calm down, Dexter. Like, uh, this is, I didn't know that Scott's middle name is Doolittle. It's Scott <laughs> Doolittle McCloud. Yes, I do, and I do do little unless we, unless it comes to <laughs> podcasting, in which case I'm fucking doing everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Disney are hoping for some more financial successes at like cinema and at the cinemas in the next couple of years because I've even seen like some of the films that they bought as like Disney Plus exclusives during like the lockdown years are being re-released in cinemas. So to see them try and recoup some of that, some of that cash. So good luck to them on that one. Work. I don't think. I mean, everybody's going to have what wanted to see them. It's probably seen them already on streaming services. So I don't. I don't. I don't really know if there's a lot of point to that, but uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the most financially stable option. But yeah, my, my point was that my choice not to see, not to watch, not to go and see the Marvels was not really a thing against the film itself, more of a general weird feeling I have about Marvel in general at the moment. Although having said that, at some point I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna rewatch uh, Hawkeye as part of my December, you know, festive watching because you know it's as much of a Christmas show as Die Hard is a Christmas film, and Die Hard is definitely a Christmas film, no matter what anybody says. Hey, it's set in Christmas, the uh, Hawkeye, and there's a big scene with the big Christmas tree and everything towards the end. So yeah, I think it. I think it qualifies. Hey, my brother was in New York recently in that big tree at Rockefeller Center. It was set up, but it wasn't lit because it was set to be, the lights were set to be turned on the day after he got back. Oh, no. I'd have some of my money back. I know. Oh. And I, I had access to his, to his Amazon Fire Stick and all those streaming services on his telly when I was watching his house and watching his dogs. And what did I do with my time? I rewatched the first two seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> of all the new shows I could be watching, but instead I just thought, We've been talking a lot about Game of Thrones uh, and the podcast. Oh, I watch Game of Thrones again. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Game of Thrones, to be fair. Yeah. It's only when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, Daenerys really got played by a fiddle by that witch woman at the end of the first season. Like, like yeah, you fucked up. You killed Carl Drogo. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a discussion for a future episode of, of Rank Bang. We've talked about that. It's in the archives. Okay, before we go into, you know, events, well, you know, a show that, you know, people like myself, you know, true fans who get on the board from day one, uh, we're waiting ages for, but, you know, people like you who jump on the bandwagon, like, we need to talk about another <laughs> show. We need to talk about another show that we need to wait a long time for, you know. I know you've just gotten over this and you just stopped crying, but we need to mention it again. You're going to have to wait until 2025 to watch season two of Andor. Oh no, I, I, I just, you know, Scott, I don't know if life is going to be worth living. 
<laughs> I mean, it's not, but for many other reasons that don't involve this. <laughs> uh, Can they delay but, it until 2035? <laughs> I mean... Of every kind of property or you know show that is coming out soon, I can certainly wait. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get any sleep over that one. No, not at all. I mean, we're getting uh, some more animated stuff. I think from um, Star Wars next year. I don't know if Mandalorian season four is going to come out next year, or maybe that's 2025 as well. But we are getting the first season of that show, that uh, Skeleton Crew, I think it's called. Oh, that yeah, I forgot about season. that one. Yeah, starring Jude Law in it. Uh, I think John Watts from the Spider-Man trilogy that just uh, wrapped up with uh, Tom Holland is involved in it. Also, you got Dave Filoni and John Farrell, the usual kind of people involved in it. So, you know, we'll see. We'll reserve judgment because, well, I really don't fuck all about it. No, same. Although, I mean, all I know is Jude Law's usually pretty good and stuff, so hopefully it'll be worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, we've we've danced around enough. Let's get into season two of Invincible. And, you know, there was an intriguing bit of the, the trailers when this came out. When, they, when the trailers for this came out, there was an intriguing bit where it showed Mark up on a screen you know, kind of talking as if he was playing the villain now, or like, oh, this going to be some big turn at the end, towards the end of the season where Mark becomes a bad guy and becomes like his dad. But no, it was revealed uh, right at the start of the first episode where, you know, I think you get confused when you first the first few minutes, but then you quickly realise that they're in some sort of alternate universe because every property at the minute needs to buddy have some sort of multiversal element nowadays. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Even even Invincible's got. Uh... Go on the uh, multiverse. There'll be a, I bet there'll be a multiverse EastEnders where everybody's happy next. <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be a universe there where I actually bother to watch EastEnders, but I doubt it. <laughs> but basically, we get, we're going to show of a universe you know, on the destruction of Chicago, and it's a, it's a world where Mark has decided to join his father and help take over the world. and the world's pretty much in shambles because also the Earth has resisted joining the Viltrumite Empire. And you know, Mark gave him a speech, you know, you're only the only reason this causing more destruction is because you because you keep resisting. This isn't us doing this. And what I liked about this first episode is there are several times where people say invincible and they pause right before saying it as if the title's gonna come up and then it doesn't. Oh no, yeah, that broke my heart, that did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's quite, you know, like weird, like because he started, he ended the first episode of the last series with, you know, a bunch of heroes getting, you know, mowed down by Omni Man. But now we open it with Mark and his dad just, you know, killing off a bunch of, you know, freedom fighters and protesters. Like you got Robot and his little chamber in this universe, and basically Omni Man just bluntly goes, "You should have died at birth." <laughs> yeah, there's a bit, there's a cool bit right at the start where Invincible crushes the immortal's head and he just goes, Immortal, you'll weigh out a lot, one. <laughs> <laughs> or there's one where he, he kind of just he breaks Eve's neck and he goes, like, Oh, she's not dead, she's just paralyzed. You know? And then his dad just calls and goes, Oh, so that's what you were practicing on those protesters the other day. <laughs> yeah, I, I just couldn't work it out. <laughs> 
and I think we learn later on, which is an interesting aspect of, it, of this whole multiversal thing, is that they say that, oh, in pretty much most universes, when Mark's presented with the choice to join his dad or fight against him, he joins him, which obviously makes you know the mark of this universe stand out a bit more and be more interesting. You show that he's actually a good guy, which is a point that gets brought up later on when Alan Alien goes back to mm. the Federation of Planets, basically doing like you know he's not Mark is not like Viltrumites, he's different. Yeah, he's as um, he just point out, he, then he's very unique amongst. Uh, even other invincibles in the multiverses, but we also we're also introduced. Uh, I forget his name now. Uh, another character that becomes quite important in um, in this series as well. The the chap who can um, open portals to different mm-hmm. multiverses. Yeah, Angstrom Levy. That's it. Yeah, I was I even kind of... looked it up before we came on air because I couldn't remember it, and I still forgot again. <laughs> uh, voiced by Sterling K. Brown, uh, he said he goes through these different like your own portals, and you see a version of him from this universe who's, who disappears through all these portals, just as it looks like uh, Invincible and Man might kill him. It turns out it's because the one from Invincible's, like the one that we know as universe, uh, you know, it's easier in the Marvel when they have numbers for their bloody universes, but you know, <laughs> all these branch timelines we don't know, like. But the one for the main Invincible like timeline, uh, that version of Astro is basically bringing all of these uh, versions of himself together uh, so they can help power some machine he's got so he can kind of bridge between these multiverses and try and basically, basically try, he starts out seeming like he's going to be a, a hero, but we know a guy with good intentions, some sort of machine and a comic book scenario, it's going to only go horribly wrong and turn into some sort of horrible supervillain. Yeah, he wants. He what he wants. He wants all that knowledge so, from all the multiverses, so he can sort of help, sort of stop the vitramites. So I think. I think is his his goal. But it is one of those sort of best um, best intentions yeah. um, lead to hell, sort of thing. You know, you just yeah. know. You just know it's gonna go terribly wrong, don't you? Because, like he says about different versions of himself, you know, know, there's stuff that I know that most of them don't know, and there's things that they know from their world that I've never even considered or thought of. I think he knows that the Viltrumites will be back after what happened with Omni-Man leaving the planet. Mm. So, and he, you know, and if you want to do something, if you have a a task or an experiment of this magnitude, you know, this seriousness, you know, the whole multiverse state, who can you trust more than the Mauler twins? Oh, no, nobody. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, great thing with the uh, the Mauler twins involved with this, and uh, we'll talk. We'll we'll stay on the Angstrom thing because weirdly enough, it seems like it's going to be a main thing, like especially with the ending of season one, because with him saying Invincible finally brings the bloody title card up at the end. But then you don't. Then we don't see him for the remaining three episodes, which is weird. I think I think I think he's in one briefly, isn't he? I think so. Because you, you see, because you see a female version. He, he's he briefly talking. Is is he or is that? There's a, oh, I can't remember. There's a bit where you, there is a bit where you see uh, 
a female Cecil and Donald, isn't it? And I can't remember if that involves him or not now. So if we'd have done this last week, like planned, I'd have remembered things better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's an accident because Mark tries to, like, save him and then they try to take him, like, out of the machine. But, you know, obviously it's too dangerous. Everything goes wrong. One of the Molitor twins uh, dies, but then the one that remains, like half his face is burnt, so he's grey on one side. Mm. Think, think of a, a two-face Molitor mm. twin, basically. Pretty much, yeah. And then Sterling's head's all fucking weird because now he's, you know, he's consumed mm. all his knowledge, and everything. But pretty much all these other variants of himself were killed in the explosion, and he basically he's now vowed revenge against Invincible. So. We get to see what happens in part two of, of season two, see where they if they pick that up. I love the way that even the more that the remaining mother to it is telling him, No, you did this to yourself. You you took the hat off too soon or whatever it was. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, even, even the other evil guy is telling him it's it's not invisible's fault and he's still like, No, no, it's all his fault. <laughs> The interesting thing about this Moller twin is he kind of fucks things up for himself as well because later on in the these episodes he makes himself another clone and of course now there's no denying who the original actually is uh, this time because obviously he looks like the, the clone looks like how he looked before his accident and now he's got the half and half and so he can pretty much treats this this uh, other version so really inferior. Uh, to the point where he ends up poisoning of because you know the whole thing is you're not supposed to know who the clone is and because mm. this guy knows that he's the original he's pretty much lording his superiority for some he's forced he's going to call him king waller and everything so this clone basically poisons him so he can you know start again yeah now they're all the clones technically but uh, yeah he broke his own rule, and now we definitely see why you shouldn't mm-hmm. know the clone, because it adds to inferior complexes to the clone and superiority complexes to the original, and they all, yeah, all went to shit. I know. I mean, it was a very brief point where they talked about it, and they talked about it in uh, the first season and now it's a lot back to bring up and show you the consequences of uh, of what happens and you know the way the Muller said it in season one like oh that never ends well I'm assuming this is probably not the first time it's happened in the many many versions of the of the Muller twins yeah wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if the true original um sort of died a long, long time ago, and they've all technically been clones from uh, a certain point onwards anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go on to we go to Mark, obviously, being the main focus of it as a title mm. character. It's, when we see, you know, main universe Mark, he's very much been, like, doing little bits of, you know, heroism here and there. Uh, trying to make up a little bit for his dad's basically destruction and everything because the the, the, the the heroes that do know he's on the man, some of them don't as we see where he has that thing with a new version of uh, Nightwing or, or not Nightwing but uh, Night Owl or I think it is uh, kind of the, the Darkwing I think Dark it is Wing. There we go. Night Owl's Watchmen <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I was going to say Darkwing. I thought, like, no, that's Darkwing Duck. I'm thinking of, but no, there's. there's a... Ah, but that's confusing. Um, too many fucking heroes these days. It's bloody confusing. <laughs> yeah, too many brooding superheroes nowadays. Yeah, now all I can think of is how good would it be? You know, that's the multiverse thing I like to watch. You know, Invincible versus Darkwing Duck. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, we see heroes like him who kind of just see. Mark is really assuming that oh he's he's probably just like his dad and there there are others out there who think that as well but Mark trying to you know, make up for what his dad did but he's not even entirely sure he wants to still be a hero I know we got the scene with Cecil trying to you know get him back into the field and everything and it, even after the bit where the whole everything goes tits up with Angstrom's like experiment and everything you no know, he Cecil basically assures him like listen you did all you could. No, even Rex Blood, who's normally a jackass, was trying to make him feel better about himself. It's, yeah. it's unusual for him. Yeah, well, he's he's been humbled in his own ways because the same way he cheated on E with a duplicate, he said it has happened back to him mm. with a buddy immortal now being with Kate, who it was, it was an interesting explanation with Kate, like she keeps multiplying herself. I think she's starting to wonder who's the original at this point, but. She's pretty much lived for a long time, like despite how young she looks. And she basically says that Immortal is the only person who can truly understand that. Yeah, so because yeah, because uh, he's died a lot as well, or something, isn't it? Something because I think mean, she feels every, she sort of feels every death, even though it's multiples of her, which is yeah. uh, quite weird. But there you go. There's also a great scene that the. Um, just after the um, multiverse scene where Mark, we were sort of seeing Mark feeling guilty for the fight in Chicago, you know, destroyed Chicago and he's doing bits to help to the soundtrack of um, Radiohead's Karma Police which works, re- <laughs> which works really well. It's such mm-hmm. a good song and it was, it was really good to hear as a radio fan to Radiohead fan to, to hear that playing in one of my f- new favourite shows. <laughs> There you go. Uh, you also got bloody Eve tried to do her bit, and mm-hmm. you know, again, still going with the idea like she doesn't really need to be a superhero to make things better. And she's, you know, they got these builders saying, like, oh, yeah, we'll get this stuff rebuilt and everything, uh, but we need planning permission and all this. And Reeve goes, ah, screw this. It's just, you know, seems like the hero, you know, makes all this stuff seemingly better, only to find it, yeah, it wasn't stable, though, the stuff you just created out of thin air. So it all went to shit, and people got, got hurt. Even, even more people got hurt about it, which is kind of making her much like Mark wonder, like, do I even want to be a superhero anymore? Yeah, and whatever she does, it's, it's, it's never right in a, a dad's book either, so that doesn't yeah. that doesn't help. I mean, does she, do, do you think her parents know she's not really, she's not really theirs? Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, because we know she's not, but she knows they're not her real parents, but it's not been explored. If if they know, they, they might, they probably have an inkling, but I'm not sure they know, no, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they do, like, you know, the dad, I think it was, I can't remember if it was in season one or in this one, but like, he, he has that argument with her and he said, the day you got your powers was the worst day of my life forever. And... I think I think they just know they just see her as well as the dad does. They see her as different. But I don't think he doesn't know that he, she's not his daughter because I think I think if she really wanted to, she could have told them. Mm. But I think we've seen in the Adam Eve special that you know even though she's 
not really happy in that home life. She's not went that far to just tell them, listen, I'm not yours. You know, but like you said, maybe deep down they, they really do. Don't we have to explore that? Maybe she'll mention it because we see her go home and seemingly give up the superhero life at the end of episode four. Uh, maybe she'll eventually be like, maybe her mum will be like, yes, in some way I always, I always knew. Yeah, I mean, because they were such a tragic thing for them because their, their actual real baby um, passed away and then by chance that doctor saw his chance to sort of yeah. um, sub in even they said they were able to revive her. So they might they might know, but because it was such a you know fortunate thing, not really want to admit it to themselves sort of situation, mm-hmm. if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Uh, another thing with Mark Tratty basically being up for what happened with his dad is obviously he had this world had their own version of Aquaman who was kind of part of the, the seven that was again brutally killed by by Omniman and Mark had to, is told originally by Cecil that oh you need to go down and marry their queen you know you marry the guy's widow you know purely ceremonial but you need, need to make up for it and then it goes, oh no, we've 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 abandoned that custom. You know, it's bar, but it's outdated. No, we just gonna get this giant sea monster. If, like, if you can fight, if you fight this and win, you then all is forgiven. Yeah, it says I. We don't we don't do that anymore. We're not savages. And then he's gonna fight this huge sea monster thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, no one believes they've got it chained up to pretty much the whole time. So, but then at one point, you know, like Cecil's like sends people in to like. You know, shoot them because they've the parents went back on the deal, but it get it causes the monster to get free. So Mark, you know, basically says, "Like, you know, I'm not my dad." So he basically he goes back to fight it and save them. And as Cecil said, they pretty much decided to call it even since you saved the queen's life. Hmm. And we also have this thing where somehow Donald is still alive, and and this really confused me at first, even though I'd only watched the season finale. Um, a few days ago, I gotta convince myself, because oh, I do get things wrong, but perhaps Donald didn't die after all. But then, um, in a later episode, um, Deborah kind of gets a bit confused by it as well. So I thought, oh no, maybe I was right, man. <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I wonder, like, I'm waiting for Gonzo to show up and go, and Donald, who did not die. <laughs> Uh, but he must be a clone or something now and he starts looking in and he starts looking into it because he says why was Debbie so so um shocked to see me and uh Cecil tries to fob him off but it doesn't work and he he goes back and he finds his sunglasses in the in the wreckage doesn't he and um yeah there's some something yeah, we must be. Uh, perhaps he subcontracted the the Mother twins a while back to make multiple clones yeah. of his staff because he he knew they were perhaps going to get killed or something. Yes, but Donald can't know that he's not the original because that'll just cause all sorts of all sorts <laughs> well, he's, of issues. He's finding out. He's finding out. <laughs> it's going to well, be interesting to see where that goes. To be fair. Yeah, because like he cuts himself open and he wonders mm. if he's human, human or whatever. And, like, yeah, I think he thinks he's a robot at first, doesn't he? Yeah, which would make sense. I mean, especially given the way Robot was able to, you know, it's like automate, you know, his mm. robot cell while having a human body. But he, he, 
Yeah, so he cuts himself open, and just when he sees there's just blood going out, like he's fine, like uh, a little bit relieved. But then he notices the edge of the knife is kind of bent, the way it was cutting him open. So clearly, not everything is mm. as, as it seems. Yeah, perhaps his skin's a bit harder than it should be, or something. Yeah, it could be just a cheap knife. Yes. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, those, those cheap knives that the bloody government keeps buying, bloody. <laughs> got them all sorts all over the place. Oh. But speaking of uh, heroes and everything, people not being near what they seem, uh, also we had that storyline of uh, Mark going to Mars and those weird cheap, like parasite things, you know, that the Martians were afraid of, and we've seen that one of the astronauts got infected by it. So we see this kind of weird shapeshifter posing as a human uh, as one of the astronauts basically being all shifty, basically thinking, oh, I'm going to get found out, I'm going to get found out. Voiced by Ben Schwartz of uh, Parks and Rec fame, also voices Sonic the Hedgehog in the recent films. I do love him. He decides to pretend to be a superhero, uh, the, the shifter or something like that. But he struggles to talk like a regular person and he tries to you know, infiltrate, well, not infiltrate, but again, become part of the, the new Guardians. And one of my favourite moments with him is when he comes into the gym area when there's Kate, Monster Girl, and Rex in there and goes, Oh, hello. I was just, I was coming in here to you know, run in, a, in the same position. <laughs> yeah. So funny. And well, these pauses, and Rex just, just has no time for it, goes, Where the fuck are you from? <laughs> I mean, I think they just think he's a bit strange, but yeah. he's so unconvincing. How he's, how he's fooling anyone that he is actually human? Because he keeps saying, because I'm totally human, yes, I'm, I'm human. <laughs> <laughs> People are human, don't need to keep telling each other they're human. <laughs> like the vampires in Bloody, what we do in the shadows when Lazo tries to uh, pretend it poses a bartender, like, I'm Jackie Dayton, a regular human bartender. <laughs> uh, so like again when you make Rex seem like the smartest person because he's the only one who clearly sees that there's something <laughs> not right about this guy <laughs> yeah, you know you're in trouble yeah you're in trouble on that one uh, you got we also see uh, Robot slash Ruddy sort of struggling to come to terms with life as a like a, a mortal person being a superhero and he's showing signs of fear which he's never had to do um because now to worry before because he's sort of been controlling things from a you know from a safe distance so to speak so uh he, he's he's sort of dealing with issues um with that because he makes a couple of mistakes Cecil uh takes the leadership of the new guardians off him and gives it to a new, um, a newly put together again, immortal who gives, I think, a thousand or so years of experience should, <laughs> should solve some of your problems. Yeah, like you said, like he's always said to rely on his smarts, like he was in control and robot from a distance, but now he's mm. in the thick of it. And you know, there's a point where he does nearly get crushed or he, he kind of freezes in the middle of a fight, and so he realizes he could actually come to harm now. And when he's you know, out there with the, with the rest of the guardians and and we see the development of his relationship with Monster Girl, the fact that they're both adults trapped in kids' bodies. They have to grab some random adult to let them into an R-rated film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just funny because, you know, Monster Girl trying to get him to help experience all these things that he's not experienced before so that he can 
you know, feel more okay about it, not be afraid, which is a nice little subplot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they also have another new member to the team um, called Bulletproof, who Rex instantly takes a dislike to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Rex doesn't like anybody, it seems like. And it takes the piss out of Bulletproof's name, and Bulletproof rightly hits back with, who thought of Rex Blowed? I mean, it's, it might be all right when you're about five or six, but it does sound a bit silly for a, a grown man to be causing himself that, to, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, also, the thing I want to talk about from episode three, because obviously there's a thing about Mark going finally going to college and trying to live some sort of normal mm. life. But uh, the thing where it cuts away from him and Amber, uh, so that they can... Basically, so they can have sex. As the narrator goes, oh, well, we'll cut away from the action. And it cuts to start, the guys that do the big narration about uh, these uh, race mm. trying to build a new, obviously, somebody who can fight against the, the Viltramites. And it turns out they're talking about Alan the alien who we saw voiced by Seth Rogen at the end of the, the, end of, uh, the last season. And Bill, if he gets his own graphic, instead of the Invincible, it just comes up Alan the alien. <laughs> I, I, do, I do like the fact that uh, Amber is concerned that because of his super strength has literally been pounded to oblivion. <laughs> She's like, perhaps I better go on top. <laughs> like, you're not going to crush me or anything, are you? <laughs> yeah, which is a fair question which you would ask mm. in this superhero world. But uh, I love that William is uh, annoyed at Mark for his somewhat childish looking at room and he's you know, each where I'm now. There's a sock on the on the door handle. Come back in an hour. Yeah, and he forgot to take it off, but Mark doesn't realise that. Like, Already, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we we tells him what he thought. Like, well, with that guy, well, I'm flattered. Did you think I could work so quickly? <laughs> but anyway, that allows them to you know go off and focus on Alan, voiced by Seth Rogen, who's basically reporting back about what he discovered regarding Mark and. The idea of using him and what's happened with his father as a weapon against the Viltramites. There's a there's a thing where they all take the piss out of him for his whole Earth, Earth mishap. Even the narrator goes, and yes, well, he did mistake Earth for Earth. Uh, he goes before the he goes before this council and everything to try to warn them about Mark, tell about Mark and how he's not like other Viltramites. He's even though some council members don't really believe him, or that they can even trust Mark, you know, he's pleading his case. Yeah, and we get the 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 high up bloke played um, voiced by Peter Cullen, who's mm-hmm. famous for um, voicing Optimus Prime and uh, the films and the and the cartoons, which was yeah. a nice little touch. And I was quite thrown by this as well because I thought the rest of the episode would be an nearly, and then it just cuts back to. Invincible after about 20 minutes or so. I was like, it wasn't, oh, all right, I thought this was going to be, you know, dedicated to him. And now we're, we're back to back to normal, so to speak. I, know, I think there's a point where it's going to cut back to, and then you can tell they're still, still shagging, like, oh, well, uh, we'll go see what this person's up to. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Alan's about to get busy with that um, general. Um, woman that he's, he's seeing so yeah the, the narrator's a bit like don't know where to go everyone's jacket <laughs> please can everyone just stop so I can continue on with my story 
Tila is the name of the, the woman that you're mentioned, voiced by Tatiana Maslany of Osley uh, of She-Hulk in the Marvel Universe. Uh, but yeah, there's some actors who you don't really notice their voices at first, and then you go mm. people who are into like that's that person. And if uh, Thedas is the name of Peter Collins' character, that's that. Uh, you know, straight away, remember, it's him. Yeah, I remember hearing his voice in the trailer very briefly, like at the very end of it, and then forgot all about it. And then I watched this episode, and the first two words out of his mouth, I'm like, that's fucking Peter Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> or more than that, I went, that's fucking Optimus Prime. Like Optimus Prime's <laughs> in <it>. this. <laughs> Yeah. That's just that's just what he sounds like. Like sometimes he alters his voice a bit. Like he's got that same like deep voice. Like you know he was he's also he's other most famous sort of voice role is uh, Eeyore and some iterations of uh, Winnie the Pooh. Is you know a similar still a recognizable voice but still very distinctive from Optimus. Whereas this is very much full on Optimus voice he's given here. It's just kind of wise out of this council and you know. He talks about the Great Purge. I'm like, this sounds, this sounds exactly like a speech Optimus would have, would have gave. It really um, so, does, doesn't it? Yeah. When, he, when he's uh, describing how Cybertron fell or something. And Alan's start trying to convince him that, that this might be our opening and the chance we need of Vegemite is, you know, has left his post and which never happens. You know, this is uh, a chink in their armor. And uh, he's, uh, he's, He's, he's sent to find out, but also fear just takes him aside and thinks that we, we must we must have a mole. You, uh, you know, I want you to try and find out who, who that is. But I think at the end, I think we discover that the mole might be fear just himself by the looks of things. And like, and I felt so bad when I seen that happen because, yeah, you know, I'll get to it in a second, but. They, they do show you a little montage with the narrator and everything that even as strong as Alan was, you know, he was part of this, these lists of experiments mm. that he's the only one that was successful, but even him on his own, like, couldn't really take on a Veltramite, like, he still wasn't strong enough. But, and, like, so then later on, he's, you know, he's finally getting, he's going to tell, you know, he's the general that, uh, what, what he told her, what, uh, what they just told him, that it was a mole, and literally as he's mid-sentence, the bloody door bursts open, and he's thrown out into space, and there's three Viltramites there. And so he, he struggles to take on one, and he's very brutally beaten up, and he doesn't give them what they want. But it's very hard to watch, as he's pretty much brutally like, beaten to death where these people mm. are. Well, at least he seems like he's been dead, but he's in that little chamber, you know, trying to be nursed back to health before they just kind of turns down his machine when no one's around. And he's just kind of revealing himself as the mole. And I'm like, oh, no, not you. Like, I'm disappointed in you, Peter Cullen. I know, yeah. I mean, this was a heel turn. I did not see coming. I know, me neither. Oh, despicable behaviour. <laughs> oh. Also, the fact that, you know, also he's voiced by Seth Rogen, which, you know, makes him like a robot, like, oh, I like Alan the Alien. <laughs> like, don't kill <laughs> off Alan. But yeah, I think you. I think you'll be all right. But who knows? It's it's setting up. I mean, this 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 half of the season sets up quite a lot to uh, mm-hmm. sort of be follow. You know, continued on in in the second half. So it's it's quite nice. It's quite nicely poised, isn't it? But yeah, we go back to um, from there. We go back again to um, Mark, who's um, finished getting busy, and uh, he sees. Um, well, someone comes to him in the guise of that super dog thing he likes. 
<laughs> oh, like very surreal. <laughs> it's like, like psychic dog or whatever, like mm. something like that. Or Saiyan's dog, I think it is. All the before then, William is like as soon as Mark comes back to his dorm, knows what he's been doing and wants to know everything. He's like, "Come on, tell me details." Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, maybe, maybe it was just me that noticed this, but like, I'm, I could have sworn after you know, the Theus turns in Alan's machine and says, "No, forgive me," and everything. But it looks like they were about to start rolling credits. I think some credits pop up, and then just cuts back to the rest of the episode. And I'm like, "Oh, maybe it's like an end," but and it keeps going and going. I'm like. It's 20 minutes of this episode left. Like, was that the end credits rolling on Alan's little portion? Like, okay, that's Alan's little side fault that we inserted into this episode. Now back to the actual episode. Yeah, it's like just like a false end to sort of just yeah. uh, trick the audience, wasn't it? It was just quite well done because I thought the same as you. Oh, that's it. And then, yeah, it goes back to um, Mark and and everyone. I'm like, who bloody wrote this episode? Triple H with these little false endings. <laughs> Tony Khan, AEW does more false endings than, <laughs> than anyone, false finishes. Uh, like, so, yeah, this guy, and Mark instantly goes like, okay, come on, like, seeing so it's in real, and it turns out it was this, yeah, he was part of this species called the Thraxons, who is like, oh, I need uh, like your help. I, I was told, I thought by coming in a, in a form that pleases you, that uh, or that you're most recognised, you'd be more comfortable, because he's more like a insect kind of creature when you see what he actually looks like. They warns him about his planet being in danger from meteors and everything. And uh, he needs to come back to his planet. Which he, which he originally agrees to do was then finds out, yeah, it's going to take about six of your Earth days to get there. Yeah, so that, that does put him off a bit and Cecil tries to talk him out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also I think it's like the day before he's college things that starts, so now he needs to get Amber and that to cover for a bunch. I don't know how you can explain. Oh, yeah, he's gone for like a, at least a week, uh, is Mark, right, right before bloody college starts. But he goes off with him, and uh, he, he has to explain to the guy, like, oh, you have to, when I'm in the suit, you need to call me invincible, not Mark. Like, oh, okay. And he, but he doesn't quite understand it. But then he takes him to his own planet, and he. He thought about this that leather magister or that it was what I talked to him and Bart looks around the planet and the planet doesn't look like it's in danger. He's like, huh, oh, what about all these meteors? What? Meteors? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 the thing. The magister wanted to talk to you. And it turns out to be none other than Omni Man. Yeah, that that was another plot twist I did not see coming. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna pop back up again, but you didn't know how, and I didn't think, obviously, I think anybody thought this was going to be how it, it was. And obviously, Mark is not best pleased to see his dad after after what happened. And it just kind of outmarched him. And he says, oh, I, I made a mistake, which is a fun way of you know, describing killing some of our strongest heroes and killing about half a city. Yeah, I know. And um, the second sort of that, the last episode, or the fourth episode, not really the last one, is it? Because there's more, but that sort of opens with that um, finishes and left, leaves off, and he's sort of t- trying to convert Mark, sort of a bit hesitant to sort of believe his dad, and he's yeah a bit pissed off that he's been tricked into 
him to go in there and only Mansfield to explain what's happening and Mark's not having any of it at first, which it wouldn't after after being beaten there to death by him. To to be fair, it tends to tends to uh, spoil the trust. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, when <laughs> you do get a little bit of a flashback of what happened after he left Earth and kind of how dejected he was. And it seems like he's going to fly directly into his like son and you know, parents kill himself. But then he sees that the Thoraxians in the distance, you know, in danger. And so you know, he, he decides to save them and he's going to settle down. And, you know, he, he tells Mark, you know, they basically invited him to be you know, in charge and everything. Like they wanted him to kind of take over. And he's going to settle down with a new wife and a new son, which Mark instantly gets annoyed about. Like, oh, you've. You've moved on from me, from mom, who you, you called a pet and everything. And he's like, What do you want me to say? And he just yells, like, You could start with, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because they, uh, they ate a bit different from humans. So the, his, his new son's already about a year, looks already about a year or so old, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, like, they even say, like, it's like, like not even like four of your like human years or something like that. Within a year or so, one of the other years is almost like four of theirs or something like that. He was Just, like, "Yeah, it's very, it's a very quick. Yeah, they don't live very long by the signs of it." Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And it's like he said, like they are in danger, and that wasn't that part was a lie because he knows the Viltrumites will find him and probably kill all of them as well. And so he wants Mark to kind of help him. Like so, once there he's asking Mark to fight by his side, but this time it was against the Viltrumites rather than what's in which again Mark is. Takes quite a bit of convincing for Mark to even consider it, but he doesn't really get much of a chance because the Viltrumites find him much earlier than Nolan would have uh, would have suspected. Yeah, they're, they're there already, and uh, he's sort of told to sort of rush the his new wife and his sort of half brother into into hiding and into a cave, but mm-hmm. he's he is tracked down by um, by one of them, isn't he? In the they do end up fighting, and then he has to fight this female um, Viltrumite that has like a Bianca Belair ponytail <laughs> by the looks of it. I was going to say we had evil Bianca Belair <laughs> as part of the Viltrumite Empire. Like, it was proper lethal, like, using it like a fucking blade, like, mm. bottom. Literally, there was one other Viltrumite, like, down in the cave who they both fight, like, and Mark struggles to fight him on his own. Like, there's one where, like, Mark's lying down, his face is sideways on the ground. This guy's using just one finger and he's almost pushing Mark into the ground. It shows just how powerful. Literally, the old phrase about more in my little finger than you have in your whole boy. Literally, that's quite true in the Viltrumite case. But then eventually, it looks like no one like, killed him you know, to save his son. And they say that all these people that have, all these Thraxans that have been killed, well, not all of them because they say there's still some left, but no one's annoyed at himself. And you tell them, like, why do I care about them? <laughs> I shouldn't feel this way. This is not how he's trained, you know, on Viltrum. You know, why do I care? There's like empathy, you know, and I want to help him. And basically, Mark tells him, "This is how you should have felt about Earth." Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely growing more of a conscious on on the man. So it's not like a, a, you know, a straight up, straight up villain. So he might, you know, he's got the pleasure to become like a, a, a bit of a like anti-hero, I suppose now. And Mark does sort of hold his own against the um, 
the female that Tremaine when when they're fighting and nearly defeats her, but um, Omni Man has to sort of step in and help, and then that other dude he comes in and takes him out while he's sort of holding his guts in place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like because like Nola has to kind of encourage him and basically say like you're you're still fighting like a human fight like a Viltrumite. It's like don't mm. hold back this time, uh, and so. He's not really that is concerned about not not killing. He gets to you know showcase a bit of that Viltrumite you know aggression because uh, all thing we see the way they fight like them and like on demand for the most part like they they don't have any remorse, which I think is the thing that's holding Mark back. And you probably attribute that to him being part human. Yeah. <laughs> so they fight together, and it seems like they they've killed him. But he said this guy comes in and totally almost stomps in the back of. Uh, Nolan as he's tr- going towards Mark who's also badly hurt and he's just said like if you're going to kill someone you'll finish the job and he's kind of left lifeless originally you think it's going to end there but there's a bit more but he's kind of laying there a little lifeless and as Mark's lying there it's like helpless to he, he can't really do anything to help his dad yeah and, and, so, and someone comes up to him and tells him you know you proved yourself you are a true Viltramite today the way you sort of held your own and your job now is to take over from your dad and go back to earth and get and get it ready for for our conquest mm-hmm. it's like you're like you're like killing a few people should help them come around to the cause basically like don't be like your father you know make sure this they fall in line like General Krieg is the name of this Viltrumite who, as soon as he speaks, I'm like, ah, oh, Gansiver, you're back, are you? <laughs> uh, no more Damien Darkblood, so we're going to give you a whole new character. <laughs> Got to get him in there somehow. But well, yeah, so he's sort of, Mark sort of told that, you know, loads of people can die or or, or just a few to sort of, because I think they know he's going to need a bit of motivation to to do the job so it's going to be interesting to see if he if he goes back to tell Cecil this or he's you know it's going to be interesting to see what, what he decides to do yeah uh, interesting because also they said they'll be back and also unlike your father we don't change our minds because they take the you know and you can see he's still like alive mm. barely because like he'll be tried and you know punished for his you know treachery and for failing this because I think Noah even knows because he said he, when he knew they were coming, he like as soon as he abandoned his post, he left Earth. He knew there was no going back from which I think is part of the reason when he was staying on with the threats and he started developing this almost feelings, mm. this empathy for him. Because before then, he seemed like the only person he had that for was Mark, even though he tried to initially deny it during that fight. Because you know, he didn't even care about Debbie, but he cared about Mark enough to to not kill him. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't bring himself to kill him, so it's not it's not completely completely bad. And yeah, it's, it sets up the second half of the season uh, really well. And also with a bit in the first season where I it basically said like most universes, Mark does you know join his father in the Viltrumite Empire and everything. You know, it's like when you see most train travel things, or you see in some versions of like the MCU's or the multiverse, like oh, some things are just set things and say things that will happen regardless. So. I mean, interesting to see, like, you know, this again, this version of Mark resisting what so many other versions of him have done, and basically see him try and resist, you know, joining the Viltrumite Empire, but also knowing that on his own, you know, even he can, you know, stop them. 
yeah, they definitely need like some sort of team of very strong heroes to 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 stop the Viltramites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least on a very interesting note. I've also the fact that Nolan kept shouting to Martin L, telling him to read his books because. Debbie's been going through a difficult time during the season, you know, coping with it. She goes to a support, which she then realizes for people who've lost like superhero like loved ones, and one of them was uh, dating like Green Ghost, who was one of the, the original, you know, guards of the club that was killed by Nolan Eve. And he discovers that she was Omni Man's wife, like he basically tells her don't come to the group anymore. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that a little bit. Yeah. Well I tried not to bring it up because it was so depressing, but I thought well, given that it ties into the book thing, because Debbie basically says to Cecil that she doesn't want any of Nolan's like book money, and you know they want to, you know, Mark and that to be fine on their own, and you get at least a copy, bunch of his books out in the cover of the house, uh, and you can get you do briefly see one of the covers, and no one basically said tells Mark to read the book, so I'm wondering if he's written about, you know, be like characters like the Viltrumites, maybe there's a clue in there and yeah, now yeah. somewhere in the book. Must be, yeah, must be some sort of clues hidden hidden in the books or or something like that. Right? So, yeah, that's... So maybe you can find something out in that which will, which will help him, as you say. Yeah. So, like you said, there's definitely a lot of questions still to be answered in uh, season two. And, you know, the way they kind of structured this, this season, like this first part of the season, no mark in the first two episodes, you know, Trying to be his own person again after what happened, and then obviously seasons episodes three and four still establishing that the Viltrumites are still a big threat, not just for Earth but for everybody, and also you get to inevitably reunite Mark with his dad and leave uh, a Mark with this. So it's like he's still injured and everything, thinking how is he going to get back to Earth, and also you know, how is he going to warn people that the Viltrumites are coming one way or another. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, it's very interesting to see where where it goes. So, do we know when? Do we know when the second half drops? I mean, I know it's next year, but have they actually said? Uh, I do not know. I mean, I'd like to think it would hopefully be around January time because they just said early twenty twenty four. I'm just going to have a quick little check. Well, IMDb claims. Now I'm just going over. Says here episode five. Season two, episode five, Thursday, January fourth. Oh, so, that's not too bad then. If that, that that's correct, yeah, if that is correct, mind you. So, well, we're going to have to each other, so we'll get we'll have the second season, second half of the season two of Invincible and Echo dropping in January. So, there's still enough to keep us ticking over. That should be yeah, should be should be grand. Definitely. Uh, so. Well, what are your anything or thoughts, or what would you give uh, these first four episodes then? I think they've been really, really good and, and interesting. I, I mean, I'd, I'd say uh, you know, probably a nine out of ten. I'd go for. I'd give it, I'd give it very, very about an eight or so out of ten. I think I'll probably maybe look back on some things. Differently when I when I see what happens and what happens in the next bit, but you know I think about eight out of ten. It's it's very much you know I'm not disappointed from what happened. It's very much a lot the same from last season. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff for people to that happened in the last season that people are still dealing with. Uh, 
but also they've ramped the threat up a lot because not just on the man one vulture weight, they're dealing with the fact that being all of the the vulture mm. mates may be coming in the next part of the season is definitely a definitely a big uh, something to keep you coming back. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, it might gain points or lose points if the you know depending on how good the second half of things um, goes. So we'll we'll just have to see, but. Uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, intriguing. Up here, in some other places, they're saying that it may be early February, so I, I have no idea who to believe when it comes to bloody Invincible. Oh, well, we'll find so, out. Hopefully, it it's not going to be too long, but we'll we'll see, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, I don't know if we'll have time to really record anything else before the end of 2023, Carl, but... Uh, I know Dexter. I know you're disappointed. No more, po- no more podcast appearances for you. <laughs> the <end> of the <laughs> year. But what uh, a been a very interesting year, and uh, look forward to what we've got to cover in 2024. Uh, yeah, yeah, all those Marvel movies we can do. <laughs> <laughs> all one of them. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure there'll be better programs and other things we can we can delve into, no, no doubt. Just say the, the boys whenever that comes out, the Echo will probably review. So uh, yeah, there'll be stuff to, to keep to keep us busy. I'm quite sure. Have you, you got any plugs this week, Scott? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of things I'm doing to round out 2023. Four months got a guess we're recording some stuff together in order to in order to tie you over to December so until we can get back together again in January. We've got a, a, I'll say a Frasier, some Frasier stuff that's already out. We're doing a review of Batman Returns, which again is also a Christmas movie. I don't care what anyone says. No, 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 I, I agree with that. I love Batman Returns, you know. We were good. We've been talking about doing a series about the, those like four original like Batman films, like the two Burtons and the two Schumacher ones. Usually we would have started with Batman 89, but we got this idea around about November time. I thought, well, Christmas is coming up. Fuck it, we'll start with Batman Returns and work our way back. Hmm. Uh, we've got a bit more discussion piece about Christmas and that uh, it'll come out a couple of days before Christmas. And then probably a couple of days after Christmas, between that and New Year, an episode that we're pre-recording that will come out. Uh, stage over. We decided, you know, doing that over in Scott and Paul's Rowland podcast would be a good little... We got found out about we got this idea for this series. I thought it would be a good nice little companion piece for the show me and Paul do here on the Rogue Opinions feed, the Rogue Retro Smackdown review, which has another episode coming out soon. We've already recorded it. See penultimate episode before uh, No Mercy, not the go home episode, the episode before that. So we thought we'd do a nice little companion piece over in Scott and Paul's, where basically we're doing a show which I tentatively titled The Drunken Demise of WCW, where uh, from Starcade 99 all the way up until the final Nitro, we're going by pay-per-view, by pay-per-view with a couple of Nitros and Thunders thrown in there. Me and Paul are going to go through you know, all these shows in the final year of WCW, all being heavily medicated on alcohol. <laughs> Obviously looking at the the point of WCW where it was truly beyond saving and kind of laugh at it and probably call Vince Russo every name under the sun. <laughs> well, that sounds like it could be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, so those are the couple of episodes you're going to hear as December, in the final few weeks of December on the Scott and Paul on the podcast feed, which you can also find those episodes on the Rugged Pains feed. Both feeds are wherever you get your podcasts from uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you, 
Wherever you listen to the podcast, give us a like, reading, or review in your platform of choice. Follow Scott Paul's Ram podcast at SP Rambling. Follow uh, uh, Rogue Opinions at Rogue and Square Opinions. I think I'll be popping up once or twice on ESSR as well, mostly doing East and Meets West, which is the show we do on Bit New Japan Pro Wrestling, because they're rounding some stuff out, uh, their world tag before the end of the year and before Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, yeah, I'm cramming some stuff out. I'm trying to find set days where I can basically record as much as possible on those days and then spend the rest of December editing when I get a chance so that it doesn't interfere with my time of watching Christmas movies. <laughs> big um, big rumours about a card are leaving, isn't there? Mm. Um, I'm not sure I see it myself, but you, you never know. If he wants to wind down, perhaps we might give WWE a go. Who knows? Yeah, he's a bit like early 30s and everything, but then again, he's got a, a family and everything, and it's about whether or not he wants to move, you know. But... Uh, that's why they're putting. That's why they're. That's why you look over down. Look, Nakamura's wrestling the main event for the world title. Look, Nakamura's fighting Cody Rhodes. Look, Colin Okada, you could have a two month go at the world title. We might actually consider putting it on you. We're struggling for putting it on Nakamura. And he's got half a chance with um, Triple H in control of creative. I think if I wouldn't fancy it if Vince was still um, running things, but Triple H, I think he. I think he has got half a chance. I mean, imagine if you just heard that coin drop at number 30 at the Royal Rumble. Oh, don't take me. <laughs> we we some things we're going to talk about on that New Japan show. Like, the way some things are going, we, my co-host Grant joked, it's almost like they're trying to push Okada out of the bloody company at the minute. <laughs> but that's a discussion for a whole other place. Girl, you got anything that you're delighted with in the audio realm before the new year runs out? No, no, nothing at the moment, unless um, Liam and Nathan can twist my arm to do to do <laughs> a football pod. But uh, the way Man United are playing, I think that's unlikely. But uh, we shall see. Oh, there we go. Well, like I said, I've already, I'm trying to get these podcasts in between my Christmas movie watching. I've I've watched two Christmas movies so far, and they could not vary more wildly. I've watched the Santa Claus, the original one with Tim Allen, and Bad Mum's Christmas. <laughs> the hell of a film, I'd, I recommend it. <laughs> but of course, I've, I've watched like several Christmas specials from Frasier, because they did a bunch of those back in the original run, because you can't know. Fair play, you've got to get those Christmas specials in. Of course, I've got select Christmas specials from various shows that I watch every year uh, without fail. You've been You've been taking any Christmas entertainment this year, Carl, so far in December? Uh, not really, not yet, no. I don't think I've watched anything too Christmassy. Just yeah, I've been big on Christmas films and Christmas specials, really, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, I won't, I won't rule that out completely. Not a complete Scrooge. Just no, looking. Thirty years in retail, you know, when Christmas starts at flipping September, you've you've had enough by December. <laughs> <laughs> ah well. As we wish you uh Merry Christmas a happy new year and we wish Carl a bar humbug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting against the Veltronite Empire and trying to deal with Christmas in September. No, it's like podcasting, it's not easy. It really isn't. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.